some noise, party people up in the house. So glad you guys are here today. Are you feeling lazy or rowdy? Which is it? I hear rowdy here. I'm going to come back to you. I'll give you one more chance. You ready? I'm hearing rowdy here and here. That's cool. That's cool. Here? Okay, okay, I feel you, bro. I feel you. All right, all right. Hey, if it's your first time here today, my name is Craig and my wife Patty and I get to pastor this church, so thank you so much for being here and allowing us to pastor you. We got a bunch more people of our much more people of our family. A lot more of our family, how about that? A lot more of our family watching online. We you put your hands together, help me welcome the rest of our family. YouTube, church online platform, Facebook. Hey, we love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. All right. We are in this series called Fed, and I'm getting ready to talk to you about that, but I'm going to do an announcement first, and yes, I'm going to even preface it with that, but while I'm doing this announcement, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go ahead and pull out your note sheet, um, or you can pull it up digital-wise on, on your phone if you don't know how to do that. You're old. Anyway, it's on there. Um, pull it out, because what I'm talking about today, you are going to want these notes later. I'm just telling you right now, because you're going to get halfway through it, and you're going to be like, oh, crap, I should have wrote this down. Yeah, you should have. So just start now. All right. So, gentlemen in the house, men, in two weeks we have our men's conference. Mark's men's conference is coming up. It's going to be awesome and amazing. And so, you got two weeks left to sign up. If you don't know how to sign up, you can sign up with the QR code on the back of the chair. You can do it out there. Um, you can, there's also a little table set up by the big light board poster out there for men's conference. Somebody will be there to answer any of your questions. Um, and let me just say this. If you can't afford to come... Go to, the, go to the desk out there and just tell them, I want to go, but I can't afford it. We'll cover it. Why is that so important? It's important to me because I want you to know money is not the option. I mean, not, not a problem, okay? Um, I want you to be here as a man because I tell you what, we're going to have a lot of fun. We really are. But we're also going to do some teaching because I tell you what, the one thing this country needs more than anything is solid Christian men to stand up and be solid Christian men. And so it'll be a conversation that is... Um, for real. You know, you know what I'm talking about? We guys understand what I'm saying. When guys get alone with just a bunch of guys, just come on, man. Any, are there no men in this house? Am I the only one? Huh? When men get together, it's just a little, it's a little different, isn't it? You'll be talking and you're hanging out. Yeah. And then like a lady walks up and you're like, oh, yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. You just kind of, it's all cool. But we're going to have some real conversation. It's going to be awesome. So if you are married and you do not, are not married to a real man, Get him to come to this thing. We'll train him up right. All right? So also, on your, on your way, that might have been a bit harsh. On your way out the door today, you can pick up this week's coaster, and you say, well, what is that? I'll tell you what that is. If you were here last week, you understand this. Um, we're talking about Fed, and so we're giving you guys coasters each week as a different icon image there to help you understand, to remind you of what's going on. And then as you sit down around the table, because that's what this is all about, um, somebody, hopefully, that you've invited over to dinner or hang out, they'll ask you a question about this cheesy coaster, and you'll be like, that ain't a cheesy coaster. Let me give you a word, brother, and you can just shuck the corn right there, preach to them, all right? So that'll get, to, get you that on the way out the door. Now, we had one little problem last week, so let me just address the elephant in the room. Some of you asked the question, actually, let me rephrase that, several of you asked the question, what does FED stand for? Um... Fed is a word in the English language, and fed means fed, okay? It's not an acronym. And so 
if you need it to be an acronym, if that just makes you feel better, I made a couple up. So you can pick. If you don't like fed, then here's a couple cho choices, okay? Um, Fire-eating dwarfs. <laughs> or females eating donuts. Your choice. First service chose females eating donuts. They were all like, high five to that, Pastor Craig. Um, it means... It means fed, y'all. We're talking about the meals of Jesus where he sat around the table, where he had different meals, and he didn't just consume food. He also fed the people that were there with spiritual food. In fact, one place that he talks, and we'll talk about it several times today, but he's the bread of life, right? And he taught that over meals. And so we're trying to encourage everyone, sign up for a group. Let's gather around the table. Let's invite people over to our house. Let's have real relationships once again because I really feel like community has been stolen from us. It really has. And so we're going to talk about two meals today specifically that Jesus partook of. And if, if you're new to the Bible thing and you just start reading the Bible, you might have actually read these two stories and thought, oh, that's the same thing. They just got the numbers wrong. They just, that's a contradiction in the Bible. Nope, not a contradiction in the Bible. It is the same, it is two separate stories. And the re Jesus is doing something different here. He's trying to teach his disciples, and he had to try and work at it because we all know that they were the disciples, right? And so they needed to learn this really bad because he needed to teach them this because he knew that one day he was going to die on the cross, come back to life, and be sitting at the right hand of the Father. And so the disciples that were left needed this lesson. And so he's trying to teach them this. He was trying to teach them, and he did a great job, and we'll obviously talk about that in just a second, um, on how to be incarnational and on mission. And incarnational, I know it's a it's a Bible word, it really is, and it's a good one, but let me give you the definition. This is just from the Webster's, you know, I say it's a Bible word, and it is, but just the definition of it from a dictionary, it's this, and you can write this stuff down. Incarnation is a person who embodies the flesh, in the flesh, a deity, spirit, or abstract quality. A person who embodies in the flesh a deity. Now, who is our deity? Uh, it's Jesus. We, we worship we worship Jesus. If you didn't know, we worship Jesus here at South Point, okay? And so we embody that spirit in us, and that's what he's trying to teach the disciples. I need you to be incarnational. And we need to learn this as the church and as individuals because here is the deal. Here is the rub. The church, capital C, is horrible at this. We are not good at this. And churches and people seem to clump in these non-incarnational groups, like you have one group that are the protesters, right? They are the ones, you might have a protester church, you might have just be a protester, and if you're in this house and you're a protester, I'm glad you're here, I will do my best to change your mind today. But the protesters are the people that are the first ones to tell you what's wrong with you. They're the first ones to pick up a picket sign, they're the first ones to scream into a bullhorn, they're the first one to point out the flaws in everybody and to tell you why you're burning in hell. And then, and then this, the second group, um, and you can write this down, is the absent church. These are the ones, or absent church people, these are the ones that you'll, you'll know if this is you because you pray a lot for the rapture to take place immediately. You're the one that is want to wrap your life and all of your kids in bubble wrap and separate them from everything in the world, and you just forget the world and say, Lord Jesus, please return right now. Forget everybody else. They can burn in hell. Please just come rescue me from this thing called life. 
and we do our best to separate. And this is going to step on some toes, and I don't, I'm not slamming these things. I'm just saying I want you to pay attention to this stuff. These are the people that want to separate themselves and have Christian schools and Christian sporting events and Christian movies and Christian music. And that's okay, but if all you're doing is surrounding yourself with other Christians, can I tell you something? You're missing the point. You're, you're missing the point. And so you have those. And then the third one, this is the cultural church or cultural church people. These are the people that they love Jesus, but they don't want to make waves. They love Jesus, but they just want to fit in. And so they'll do things to fit into culture, and they even end up adopting worldly values rather than standing firm and adopting gospel values and the Bible values. And so they separate themselves, and they just, they just want to be like everybody else. They just want to fit in. And then you have a Christian that you can't tell the difference between a Christian and a person of the world. And then there is the last one, and this is what Jesus is trying to get the disciples to understand. He needs them to understand this because the Jewish people of that time were definitely the inclusion, you know, like safety, just us and no more. And Jesus said, no, no, I need a church, I need a group of people to be incarnational and on mission. I need people to embody the spirit of Jesus Christ in this world and in this place. And he said, look at John 1.14, it says this, it says, and the word became flesh, that's Jesus, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten son of the father, full of grace and truth. And let me tell you something, some people want to give truth before they give grace, and if you give truth before you give grace, you will crush people and ruin their lives. You lead with grace and then you bring the wrong truth. It has to go in that order. Why in that order? Because that's how it's written in the Bible. Let me say this another way. In, in the message translation, the same verse, in the message paraphrase, it says this, and I just like this, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> Isn't that cool? It's just like, it's just like here I is, yo. I, and, I, and I love that. And so Jesus is teaching this value to the disciples. He's training them, but he, he's not training them by saying, hey, boys, y'all get around. This is our training session. It's going to happen for the next several months. In fact, about a year we're going to cover here. And I, there's three steps to this whole thing, and I need you to go through it. He doesn't do that. He chooses the Mr. Miyagi approach. Do you guys remember Mr. Miyagi? How many, I, I asked first service how many had seen Karate Kid, but I think a better way to say that would be how many have not seen the Karate Kid movie? Um, if you raise your hand, I, we, they will lead you to the Lord after service. Um, so... <laughs> Most of you know the story of the Karate Kid. It is a classic, right? Daniel Son. Daniel Son wants to become a karate master. And so he goes to a dojo, and they're like, no, we ain't going to train you. So he finds this old guy who knows kung fu and all that stuff, and his name is Mr. Miyagi. And so he goes, Daniel Son, Daniel Son, I love saying that. Daniel Son goes to Mr. Miyagi's house, and he's like, he's ready to start. And does the training start in a dojo? No. Does it start on the mat fighting? No, no. Does it start with the kick this way? No, no. What's he, come on, everybody. What's he, he starts with, oh, Daniel-san, today you paint the fence. Paint the fence. Anybody else know this? Come on. Paint the fence. Oh, Daniel-san, no this way. No this way. No this way. Paint the fence. And then he gets done with the fence, and he comes in, he's ready, right? Training's done. I, I fixed your fence. Let's go. And he said, oh, Daniel-san, now you clean my car. 
Come on, everybody. Wax on. Wax off. <laughs> wax on. Wax off. And see, we know because we've seen the movie, he's training him without saying, I'm training you. And Jesus is training his disciples. And he's not saying, I'm training ya, y'all. But what he's saying is time and time again, and we'll go through these, I need you guys to wax on, wax off, because I'm setting you up for a fight, and you need to go through the training to get through it properly. Okay? And so he's going to go through these things. And so these meals, we're going to talk about a couple meals here. Check this out. I just think this is fascinating. It really doesn't have to do that much with the message, but I think it's fascinating. Fill in the blank. The Gal- Jesus' life, okay, he gets older, 12 years old, he's in the temple. And then once he's, once he's baptized and he starts his ministry, it's divided into three sections, okay? There's the Galilean ministry, and it ended with the meal of the feeding of the 5,000. And then he switches, and the Decapolis ministry, and it ends with the feeding of the 4,000. And then the Judean ministry ended with the feeding of the 12 at the Last Supper. Okay, 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 okay. So, y'all, y'all good? Okay. What I love about this is Jesus has sections to his ministry, and when he's done with that section, he's like, hey, y'all, let's have a party. Let, let's, let's, let's sit down, let's eat, let's, let's consume some food, because Jesus knows, and we talked about this last week, you will learn more about somebody sitting over a meal with them than you ever will walking through the lobby or walking through Walmart. We have to take the time to sit down and talk to people. Fill in the blank. Food and the table, being fed, takes relationships from casual to intimate. You can have a casual relationship at church all day long, but once you sit down with them in a small group or invite them, oh, God forbid, you invite them over to your house and have a meal with them, actually open up your home to somebody, you learn more about them. Can I get an uh uh-huh in the house? All right, so this first meal that we're talking about is the feeding of the 5,000, Check this out. Fill in the blank there. Meeting of the 5,000. And you need to understand this. So this is the Galilean ministry, okay? So you need to understand who the Galileans were. The Galileans, they were all Jewish. They were all in that. But just because they were Jewish does not mean they were all practicing Jews. But they were Jewish. They knew, let me put it this way, they knew right from wrong. They just weren't always all doing right and wrong. Right. You know, you're tracking with me? Uh, Bring it into a more modern day context. Here you go. Um, if this was set in DeSoto County today, it would mean they're Baptist. Because we all know, if you are born in DeSoto County, even if you've never darkened the door of a church, you start out Baptist straight out of the womb. Oh, come on. You know it's funny and it's true. In fact, when we were planting this church, I would talk to somebody and they were like, oh, and tell them about the church. Hey, we're starting this church. And they're like, oh, I don't, I don't really have a church. Cool. And in the conversation, they say, but I'm Baptist. And I'm like... How do you know you're Baptist? Well, I'm here. I'm in the South. So, so Jesus, understand the Galilean ministry. Jesus is preaching to the, and please understand I'm using this very loosely. He's preaching to the Bible belt of the time. Is that fair enough? You get, you get me? He's preaching to the Bible belt. They all know this stuff that he's making reference to. All right. So that's who he's talking to. Mark 6, verse 32. It says this. So they, and the they is the 12 disciples and Jesus, they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them. Why did he have compassion on them? He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, so he began teaching them many things. They had a lot of bosses and a lot of teachers, but they had no pastors, And now you're sitting here and you're like, oh, good. This sermon's not about me at all because I'm not a pastor. 
I'm a mechanic, I'm a nurse, I'm a doctor, I'm a teacher, I'm in high school, I'm in middle school, I, 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 I don't, I'm not a pastor. Au contraire, mon frère. See, the disciples needed to learn the same thing, and we need to learn the same thing too. You are a pastor. And now you're saying, some of you are like, oh, heck no. <laughs> Preacher, that's why we pay you money. You my pastor. I am your pastor, but you need to understand something. Peter figured this out, and he wrote 1 Peter 2, 9. This is after all of the story we're talking about. Later on, he writes this. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal, what? A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. If Jesus has called you out of darkness, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you have gotten your sins forgiven, then guess what? He has called you to something bigger than just surviving life. He's put something in you that says, no, no, I have specifically put people around you that you are called and equipped to pastor them. He said, well, I don't even know what that looks like. We're going to talk about that, so take a deep breath. But you're a pastor. You need, you need to get that. Okay, so Jesus is standing in front of 5,000 families, the Bible tells us, and, and he's preaching long. All right, you go through the Bible, Jesus didn't have too many short sermons. He, he just did. And so he's preaching, and he doesn't have a countdown clock like me, and he didn't have a white guy show up on the keyboard at the end to know when it was done. And so Jesus just preaching, and I can, I can see, it's probably Peter, just because he was the most outspoken. Peter, I'm guessing, probably came up and was like, hey, Rabbi, hey, I don't mean, I don't mean to interrupt, but... Bro, we hungry. You've been preaching for a long time. Um, put a caboose on that thing. Let's send these people home and get some grub. And Jesus, check this out, verse 36. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus told them, no, 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 no. You feed them. And they're like, bro, crazy. With what? We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all of these people. And Jesus is like, all right, how much bread you got? And he said, I'm putting in slang there, but you figured out, right? How much bread you got? And, he, and go find out how much you got. And they came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Okay, so you guys probably know this story. So Jesus takes the bread and the fish, right? And the Bible tells us that he takes it, he blesses it, and then he breaks it. And what does that mean? He, he starts handing out portions to the disciples to go feed 5,000 families, and so they're part of the miracle, and it's all part of this first step training process, and we'll get there in a second, but they were a part of the miracle. In fact, it was so amazing. Do you know how many baskets of food they had left over? He fed 5,000 families and had 12 baskets left over. What is that? That is amazing. What does that even mean? See, right now, you're still questioning that you're a pastor. Because you're thinking about all the stuff that you're lacking to be a pastor. You're thinking about all the prayers that you think are unanswered. You're thinking about all the things you still have to work through before you can pastor somebody else. That's 98% of your prayer, I'm willing to bet. And Jesus says, listen, it doesn't matter how small your gift or your talent is that's in you. It doesn't matter what it looks like or what you even think about it. The only thing that matters, your gift and your talent will never be enough. But as long as you put it in the hands of the master, it'll always be more than enough. Every single time. It's a different mindset. It's a different mindset. There's a guy that goes to church here, and uh, he came to me a few months, a couple months ago, and he was like, hey, pastor, I feel like 
the Holy Spirit, the Lord is speaking to me to help people. Um, I want to I want to help fix their cars. Like if they if single ladies or widows can't afford to fix their cars, I want to I want to use my gift and I want to be able to do that. And I said, Do you know how to work on cars? Because listen, 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 listen. People say all the time, Pastor, I'm gifted to sing. No, you're not. <laughs> Come on, right? Just because you think you gifted in something doesn't mean you gifted in something. But he said, no, that's, he's like, bro, it's my job. It's what, it's what I do. I do it all day. I'm like, okay, cool. And that worked out. What is his thinking? I want you to understand something. That is incarnational thinking. That is thinking, I have skills and talents. It might not look like a big deal to me because it's just what I do. But I'm willing to take those gifts and talents and put them in the hands of the master and watch them be multiplied a hundred times over because I'm more interested in the kingdom of God being advanced and pastoring people than just getting by in life. We have enough just getting by in life. I'm not even going to clap. That was way better than y'all think it was. All right. So you still are struggling with being a pastor. I get it. I, I, we're not done yet. Hang with me. So Jesus, after he feeds the 5,000, Jesus says these scary words. He says, let's get back in the boat and go to the other side. Scary words. Let's go talk to Adele. Get it? Hello from the other side? Sorry, bad joke. (laughs) Sometimes my dad jokes make me laugh. It doesn't matter if they make you laugh. It's just like, that was funny. All right, so he says, Let's get in the boat and go to the other side. Why is those scary words? Because they knew what was on the other side. The other side was the Gentile nations. They were the unclean people. And the good Jewish boys knew that if they went to an unclean world, they would become unclean. They wouldn't be fit for anything. And so, but, so reluctantly, they get in the boat. The Bible even says that Jesus insisted. So it's kind of like, bro, you getting in this boat or I'm going to make you get in this boat right? He insists. And then the Bible says that across the lake, as they're heading, this huge storm comes across and almost sinks the boat, and Jesus rescues them and all that. Uh, I bet, this is just, again, Craigology, I think that those disciples were probably thinking themselves that God sent this massive storm to sink them, because I would rather have my 12 disciples be clean and die than go to this land of the pagans, right? Have you ever had a storm hit your life? that you think God is trying to get you to stop doing what you're doing when really it's just a storm, he's trying to see how faithful you really are? He's just wondering, he already told you what to do, he insisted you get in the boat and go that way, he wasn't wrong the first time. It wasn't a mistake. Don't judge God's power and miraculous ability to dictate your future based on a storm of life. So they get to the other side. They get to the other side. And they show up, and Jesus preaches even longer. Longer. Some of you are going to complain today because I'm going to probably go about three minutes over, and you're going to be like, I'm missing lunch. Look how long they went without lunch. Mark chapter 8 says, Jesus said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three honking days. And have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way. For some of them have come from afar. That's not a fire. Long way off. Came from afar. Then his disciples answered him, how can one? Then the disciples answered him, 
How can one satisfy, uh, underline that in your notes, these people with bread here in the wilderness? Have you ever wondered why the disciples even asked this stupid question? Because think about it. Jesus, how are we going to feed 4,000 families when they just saw him feed 5,000 families? Why are they thinking, what is go how are we going to do this? They were not questioning the Messiah's miraculous ability. They were questioning whether those people were worth his miraculous ability. What are we going to do with these people? And see, some of you are like, I can't be a pastor. Maybe I could be a pastor. Maybe. But you don't know the kind of people that I have to work with. You don't know the kind of people I have to go to school with. You have no idea these people. You want me to be loving and gracious and full of mercy. Do you understand who these people are? Can I tell you something? You know who needs a pastor more than anybody else is these people. If your school is falling apart and an algebra class is the worst full of a bunch of vagrants and vagabonds, who needs a pastor more than a bunch of vagrants and vagabonds? If your work is falling apart and you can't get out two words without hearing somebody drop the F-bomb, can I tell you something? They need a pastor more than anybody else. And the reason you work there and the reason you go to school there is because God has set you up and called you to pastor those people. Okay. Because if you don't pass, here's what, here's what a lot of people do. They say these people and they're not going to pass them really. So then they go back to the default settings of the church that we talked about before. They'll default to, I'm just going to be the protester. I'm going to tell all of you why you're going to burn in hell. That's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. To hell you go. Or you say, oh my goodness, I can't handle this place anymore. I'm just going to back up. I'm just going to be a good Christian boy. I'm not going to get involved in anybody's lives. I'm just going to live my life and get by. And... None of those is what Jesus has called us to, and none of those is what Jesus said. Wax on, wax off. I need you to be on mission. I need you to be incarnational. When you show up, Jesus lives in you, therefore Jesus just showed up. Well, what do I say? Whatever Jesus tells you to say. I can tell you what, it'll be full of love and mercy and grace. Okay, y'all still with me? Mark 8, 5, he says this, and then he asked them, okay, how many loaves do you have? Again, it's a repeat, but it's not really a repeat. How, how, much, do you, how, many, how much bread you got? And they said seven. And then verse 8, he says, okay, so, and then they, were, they all ate. Jesus did the same thing. He took the bread, broke the bread, blessed the bread, you know, and hands it out to the disciples and portions it out to the people. The disciples take it to the people. And then verse 8, so they ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Holy cow. Does anybody else find this fascinating and miraculous and amazing all at the same time? Let me blow your mind a little bit with just some numbers. Because a lot of times people are like, well, what do all these numbers mean? Fill in the blank real quick. I'm just going to read through these because I am running out of time. Um, so five. Five in Hebrew mindset is representative of the Torah. The Torah or the Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And so good Jewish people who know the Torah, here's what they do. They see five things lined up at any time and they think the Torah. Because it's just, it's how they're wired. And so five represents the Torah. Thousand, a thousand represents a people group as a whole. So 5,000 people, it's the Jewish people of the Torah. That's who he fed. They had 12 baskets left over. What does that symbolize? Those baskets were left over for the 12 tribes of Israel. So even if you didn't show up to the meal, there's still enough for you. 
Feeding of the 4,000. Y'all still with me? Just right now? Okay. Feeding of the 4,000. Four represents the four corners of the earth. In other words, north, south, east, and west. Everywhere but where you are. And then 1,000, of course, again, represents the people group. So he fed 4,000 people. So that was the fourth. He was feeding the other pagan nations. They're not part of the Jewish culture, but everybody else. They had seven baskets left over. This, this, represents, this is so cool. This represents the seven. You can go to Joshua chapter 3, verse 10. It's in your notes. This represents the seven pagan cities that God said all the way back then, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. I guess I'm the only one that thinks that's cool. What does this all mean? Here's what this all means. Why are you giving me all those numbers, Craig? Here's why. Because it doesn't matter whether you're talking about Christian people or talking about pagan people. It doesn't matter whether you're talking about holy people or hopelessly lost people. There is always enough of Jesus, the bread of life, to fill every single need, to help every single person, and there's always leftovers. There's always leftovers. And we say, well, I can't be a pastor. I don't have an, our job is not to be enough. You will never be enough. I'm never enough. We're not here to be enough. What's our job? Fill in the blank. Our job is to live an incarnational life on mission. Whatever portion the Lord gives us, we take that portion to the needy. We take that portion to the brokenhearted. We take that portion to the ones that are lost and can't find their way out of a paper bag. We take that to them. All right, you ready? So then, all of this culminates to the Last Supper. He does the feeding of the 4,000 after he's done it to Decapolis, the pagan nations. And then he comes into the Judean ministry. He ministers there. You can read all this stuff in the Gospels. He reads all that. And that comes to a close at the Last Supper. Don't miss this last step in the training. Because I really need all of us to leave here pastors. Why? Because our schools need more pastors. Your work needs more pastors. The hospital needs more pastors. Doctor's offices need more pastors. I mean, I could go on and on and on. We need more pastors. Why is there so much struggle in our city? One guy said this. He said, people need to realize that they get the city they deserve. Think about that. What if we actually did what Jesus called us to do and lived our lives incarnationally, Jesus in the flesh? He sat down with his disciples, and you can pull out your communion elements and I know we're, we're limited here to a horrible tasting coin wafer um, but I just dropped the body of Christ that's not good good thing he knows how to get back up out of the grave right okay we're limited to this but I want you to understand something the disciples sitting at that table when they saw Jesus grab the bread and break it, I think they were thinking, he's going to do it again. He's going he's to break the bread and multiply it again. He's going to do it again. And the great thing is, he did do it again. Because now the feeding was through the disciples to the others. And we see that. You say, well, where is that? I'll tell you where we see that. You fast forward all the way to Acts chapter 2, and now we see Peter, who's been through the training and understands it, and he stands up through the power of the Holy Spirit and feeds the bread of life to over 3,000 people. So he takes the bread, and he says, this is my body. And I want you to think about this for a second. Don't just, don't just, I'm really, slow down here for a second. As we're taking this today, 
I want you to genuinely process and think, I am taking in the bread of life, and I'm praying that it metabolizes into every area of my life so every step I take is a Jesus step. Every handshake I take is a Jesus handshake. Every word I speak is a Jesus word. You want to know how to get Jesus in your home? Start speaking like Jesus. I need, my, I need my marriage to do better. Start speaking to your spouse like Jesus would. Well, it's their fault. Jesus hung on the cross and it was all of our faults. So we take the bread of life in to be Jesus at work, at home, at school, and in our city. Let's take and eat together. And then he grabbed a glass of wine and he said, this is symbolic of the new covenant. Okay. And we've talked about this the other times we do communion. I just want to shed a little light on this from a different angle. Jesus is the beginning of the new covenant. It's only because of Jesus that we have the new covenant where now it's based on grace, not judgment, right? If you don't know that, come talk to me afterwards and I will love to explain it to you. But the other thing that wine symbolizes in the Bible over and over and over again is the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus began the new covenant, but I think the Holy Spirit is a beautiful administrator of the new covenant. Because when you go to work and you know that they need a pastor, you know that they they need a pastor at school, in algebra class or English class, you you know that. You You don't just walk in and say, I am here by the pastor of this classroom. I will be doling out judgment and conviction as I see fit. How many know that would not go well in your place of work or your place of school? It would not go well even in the home. It would not go well. But what you do is you walk in because now your mind has changed. You've learned the wax on, wax off, and now your mindset has changed. I I don't have to convince you I'm the pastor here. I am just the pastor here. I don't have to convince you I'm the pastor of South Point. Why? because I'm the pastor of South Point. When you go to work, you don't have to convince anybody you're the pastor of that place. Just be the pastor of that place. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to you about something, do that. When the Holy Spirit puts words on your mind to tell somebody, do that. I guarantee if you're following the Holy Spirit, it will always be words of love and grace and acceptance and joy and righteousness. These are just things of the kingdom of God. And so when, you, when, you, when you're in the drive-thru, listen to the Holy Spirit. Let him say, if he says, buy the people's lunch behind you, you might say, no. <laughs> but you don't realize what those people behind you might need. It might change their day, their perspective. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. Do you buy everybody's lunch? I have no idea. If you are, please let me get behind you. But the point is, (laughs) listen to the Holy Spirit. Someday you might do that. Someday you might just smile at somebody that frowned at you. Somebody that flips you off on 240, you might just wave, not with a finger, just wave and smile. I don't know, whatever the Holy Spirit does in you, because he's a beautiful administrator of the new covenant. And as pastors of this area, let's take and drink together. Heavenly Father, I love you so much. Father, I love you, and I'm so thankful and grateful that you've called us to something 
higher than just surviving life. And Lord, I just want to, I just, I, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you speak to every single person in this house watching online that is just managing life. Father, we've lost our mission. We've lost our vision. It doesn't matter if they're like us or not. It doesn't matter if they're the same color as us or if they vote like us. It just doesn't matter. Everybody needs a pastor and everybody needs to know that you love them right where they are. And so, Father, I just ask that you allow this message to metabolize into every single one of us so we leave here with a different mindset. It's not whining and complaining about our needs and our wants. I feel like Jesus is saying, listen, I told you, just ask, seek, and knock, and the door will be open. Now let's get back on mission. So, Father, I just ask that you help us all get back on mission and be an incarnational church full of incarnational people spreading the bread of life in this area. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Listen, if you need prayer for anything, there's people down front on both sides that would love to pray with you. Stand with me, if you will. And as you're standing, let me remind you that on your way out, you can get a coaster. Um, there's one there's, there's one for each week, and so you can get this on the way out and uh, collect all four. There's also a bunch of Fed stickers out there. Help yourself. Have fun with those. All right, let's pray the benediction, and we will jet on out of here. Ready, set, go. Now may God, the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance in Jesus' name, amen. Let's go radiate hope.